Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And uh, this is our last episode of 2019. So uh, it feels quite kind of momentous. It's the end of the year, the end of a decade. Um, And so we're really delighted because we've got a very, very special guest with us um, for this episode. And so we're joined by Taryn Strong. So if you don't know Taryn, Taryn is the co-founder of She Recovers and the creator of She Recovers Yoga. So um, Taryn's joining us from Canada. So hi, Taryn, how are you doing? Hi, ladies. I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm really honored that this is going to be the last episode of 2019. That does feel really big. So thank you for having me. <laughs> My, it's our pleasure. So um, yeah, we're going to sort there's two big topics, I guess, that we want to talk to you about. Um, obviously, uh, the work that you do with She Recovers and, and yoga sort of as a recovery practice, I suppose. Um, it's something that's very important to Kate and has been a huge part of her sort of um, sober toolkit um part of mine that is kind of growing um and so yeah we really want to kind of pick your brain about where that fits in into the picture so uh we always start just by checking in and saying hi so hi kate how are you doing hello um whenever you whenever you ask me i go yeah right oh yeah well do you know what we're we're doing this just before christmas aren't we so it is our new year episode Mm. but this is like countdown to christmas and it, it i just it's just mental like I seriously feel unhinged right like totally every time I go out the door I feel like I'm gonna get blown away by wind or by a shopper or by I don't know someone running running towards me with loads of shopping bags and knocking me over or something like that it just feels a little bit mental so um yeah you know that's me how are you how are you man um I'm good, you know, because it's uh, we're nearly at the end of the well, school's nearly finishing. Um, yeah, my my husband's he's been away in Germany, so he gets back tonight. So it's just that kind of like right. It's just there's been a lot of bitty things, hasn't there, with work kind of like crossing things off the list. So I think we're pretty much done now. So that feels really good and I'm really excited to talk to Taryn I'm really so. excited to talk to Taryn <laughs> how are you Taryn well you said you're good what you what have you been up to today I mean yeah. it's morning for you isn't it so it's 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 afternoon so okay. yeah I've had a really beautiful day of um, my morning practice and then I've just been catching up on emails so in 2019 uh, mom who's the other founder of she recovers and I'm sure we'll talk about that soon we did a lot of traveling And what I'm most excited about right now today is that I'm home in Victoria, British Columbia, and I'm going to be going on a trip in a few weeks to Costa Rica for a week, but then I'm going to be home for like three or four months and I'm not leaving. So I'm just in love with the holiday season right now because it means I'm home. So all the craziness around me, I'll take because it just feels good Mm. to be grounded and in my routine and all that good stuff yeah and is it snowy where you are it doesn't snow where I live actually believe it or not um so we are on a little island on the west coast of Canada called Vancouver Island Mm -hmm. and our winter is cloudy and we get some rain but um but that's it if we get snow, we have a snow day because we don't have the snow removal systems in our town. <laughs> so yeah. everything shuts down and it's really beautiful and really fun. So we love snow days around here because they're mm. so rare. Yeah. 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 It's like England, we don't. Visit. Sorry. You'll have to come visit soon. Yes, please. We would. Yes, yes please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Um, yeah, we don't get snow here either. But, um yeah. Um, okay, so um, let's start, if, if it's okay, to kind of talk a little bit about your, you know, journey to recovery. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about the founding of She Recovers and um, and your part to play in that, if that's all right. So, yeah, what, what brought you to the decision to 
to be alcohol free, you know, and also any any other recovery that's that's gone taken place, if that's okay. Yeah, I love that question. Um, so for me, you know, alcohol wasn't actually my drug of choice. So the reason for me to quit drinking alcohol was because harder drugs were my drug of choice and alcohol would always fuel my decision to partake in those other substances. So a part of my story is when I was 16, I very quickly became addicted to cocaine and crystal meth. And that was because when I was a preteen and a teenager starting out with drinking and smoking marijuana, um, am I allowed to talk about that stuff on this? Podcast? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Um, they didn't really do it for me because I always had this, this dream for some reason, I don't know, but I had this dream of wanting to be a party girl. Um, my parents, both my parents were cocaine addicts. Um, they're both in recovery now, of course, thank goodness. But I just always had this vision of us having this glamorous lifestyle when, when my parents were younger and in the cocaine scene and alcohol and marijuana weren't feeling very glamorous to me. So I actually sought out ways to find the harder drugs. Well, as you can imagine, being a 16 year old girl who's now become addicted to cocaine and crystal meth, that um, got really scary very quickly. Um, luckily, because my mother, my both parents, but my mom mainly because she was in recovery, because of her recovery and her recovery community, she was able to hold space for not only herself, but me as well to steer me back on track. But then, so I did actually quit drinking and all drugs when I was 17. But then a few years later, my mom got diagnosed with colon cancer and we thought we were going to lose her. And I didn't actually re recognize it or realize it at the time, but I know now that I started um, using alcohol to numb and to escape that feeling and processing. I was just using alcohol to numb the idea that I might be losing my mother. But then because alcohol was kind of that gateway drug for me, um, I, it was a slippery slope. And again, now I'm in my 20s and I found myself using cocaine again. I, I didn't use meth again in my 20s, but I did use almost every other drug. So I did try for a while to um, to stop to stop doing cocaine and just drinking, but, but then I could never do one without the other. So long story short, for me, it was because drinking led to very, very, very mm -hmm. dangerous um, behaviors and drug use and it was very risky and really for me it, it was life or death i i think we all have lost a lot of friends to the fentanyl crisis that i know that we're experiencing here in canada in north america and for me it was just it was going to be a life or death situation so I, by then had my own recovery community because i had relapsed and was able to reach back out and get the help and support that I needed and that I continue to be so lucky enough to have today. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of things I, I wanted to ask you about that and that story because, um, you know, there's a lot talked about kind of how to, like, obviously we're both mums, so, you know, there's that concern of what happens if, you're, if your child you know, creates, has a substance uh, use disorder, gets addicted to a drug, you know, that, that, that those kind of two schools of thought of loving through or, you know, letting them hit rock bottom. And yeah, I wondered how that process worked with your mum. I mean, I know she had sort of 12 step background at that time. So what, I mean, what happened, I suppose, how did she help you back? I mean, I, I guess that's my question. Yeah, that's such a great question. So for my mom, yeah, as you mentioned, my mom, her foundation of her recovery, because she found recovery in the 80s, in 87, I was four, my sister was eight. And her foundation was a 12-step program because that's all there was back then. Um, she did go to treatment for her drug use, and then she found a 12-step program. So when I was 16 and in the depths of my addiction, that still was the foundation of her recovery. And that was her support 
support. And she was getting a little bit of, there was some conflicting um, advice. Some people were telling her, let her hit rock bottom, exactly like you said, Mandy. And that mm-hmm. is um, kind of, I mean, my, I'm not in a 12-step program, but that is kind of my understanding of the meetings that I've attended where that was kind of the messaging that I got is that when you hit rock bottom, then you seek help. So there was that messaging that mom was getting, but at the same time, intuitively, and from the moms that she knew within the program, they were saying, you can't let your 16 year old daughter hit rock bottom because your daughter's rock bottom at 16 years old is going to be death. She's 16. She's got a disordered eating. She's using meth. I, I ran away to live with a crack dealer because at 16, I couldn't um, support my drug habit by myself. So I had run away from home. I was living with a crack dealer. You know, rock bottom for me truly was death. And intuitively, my mom knew that. So the way she helped and, you know, I can only imagine I, I don't have children myself, but I do have a niece. She's almost four. Everything I do is for her in terms of my recovery and everything else. So I just can't imagine what it would be like as a parent to have their child go through this. But what my what my mom was able to do was she did love me all the way through. Mm-hmm. And for me as the kid, I always knew that I had a place to land. Mm-hmm. I always knew that there were going to be consequences for my decisions that I was making, but I knew I could always go home and I would be loved and I would be supported and that I would be okay. I was carrying so much shame and so much guilt and so much self-loathing. I couldn't believe that this happened because I was the kid. I was the, the child who was an honorable student. I was a competitive Irish dancer winning my competitions I was a pianist in the Royal Conservatory of Music. I was the kid nobody suspected. And that was part of what led to my drug use was I had put so much pressure on myself, but that's probably another story. But Mm. I was the kid nobody expected or suspected, and here I was. So I had so much self-loathing and so much shame. But what I knew in in the deepest part of my heart is that if and when I decided to go home, there would be no shame from my mother. I knew that she would, she was going to love me and that she did love me unconditionally. And I know for a fact that that is what saved my life because I can remember the exact moment when I knew, holy shit, what have I done? How did I get here? And I had a decision to make either to just keep going down the path I was going on with the 17 year old crack dealing wannabe gangster boyfriend or I could go home. Mm. And if and I know that if there was any part of me that didn't think I was welcome at home or that thought that by going home things would be worse or that I would be shamed or whatever, there, there's no way I would have gone home. But by knowing that my mom and my parents and my family, they were going to be there to support me, um, I made that decision and, and went home that evening. Oh, thank you. That really kind of helps. I mean, it really helps to listen to that and mm. just... I think it's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. I don't... I mean, we're, I, we interviewed Lara Frazier a couple of weeks ago. She said exact same thing. Sorry, it makes me super emotional <laughs> listening to you talk about that. Just, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. As mums, you know, it's sort of, that's deep and... Um, and it's not always easy to know, I think, as as mums. There are, I mean, I think genu- generally in society at the moment, some of the things that make mums drink, I think, is this pressure to be perfect, this pressure to know what you're supposed to be doing. And then, you know, if you have a, a child who has, a, like you were saying, Amanda, substance use disorder, it's like... Well, then what do you do? Because basically you're kind of told, well, they just shouldn't have. There's no dialogue there. Yeah. So then you go to a recovery community and they tell you you've got to they let them hit rock bottom. And I can 100% tell you that, yes, intuitively, I don't know any mum that could do that. So mm-hmm. what what the hell are you supposed to do? And I, um, you know, that really spoke to me. And I think that, you know, we should, I'd like to keep talking about this 
you know, on the podcast and having this discussion, you know, a lot well, more. I think, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's definitely, you, yeah, it's definitely for, from two aspects in, in the sense that, you know, well, there is a there's the question of of, of being a sober parent, you know, and so when your par- your your children, you know, which they might do, um, likely to experiment, uh, you know, how do you di- dialogue and mm-hmm. kind of have those conversations, and and yeah, if they present with kind of serious problems, then then what do you do? And you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. There's there's not enough kind of conversation about that. And what I think is, um, we'll get on to talking about she recovers in a moment, but what I first of all I was a little bit sort of I had to, well I think I even asked Dawn I was like how do how do you kind of why is it okay that it's only for women kind of thing um you know why is there no men and uh, we need to look after men and you know and 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 she's that sort of explanation that there is very specific issues for women um and very you know and and there is that knowledge and and part of that is that perfectionism thing which I think you know we all identify with so Taryn if you could tell us a little bit about she recovers and about your mom and about the movement and um the principles please yes I would love to and I just just want to quickly say because you you said it Mandy so so and it's such an important thing as well back to the the sober mom thing that I don't Mm. think I mentioned is just I also know that because my mom was in recovery herself, she was able to be completely present through it all. I can't imagine how hard or devastating it was for her to be present and to not have the option to numb out during that time in our lives. But because she was present, she was able to listen to her intuition and follow her intuition, know what to say to me when I needed to hear what I needed to say. So I do think that um, being a sober parent is really one of the best things you can do for your kids. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. But if you can stay present and connected to your recovery, it will guide you through the process and ultimately your child. So mm-hmm. I just wanted yeah, to yeah, do that. Thank you. And that, yeah, beautifully put. I understand that. And that resonates with me. Um, having a, a, a tween at the moment that that's not, is not in any way easy. And... Mm-hmm the daily sort of resilience that comes and the kind of, um, like you say, that intuition, somehow you find the true north somehow on a daily basis. And if you get knocked (laughs) off, you you, you find it again. And then you can recover and then you can unpick and then you can talk and then you can argue. And then, but it's, it's there. And like you say, it's, there's a presence and there's, there's not a disengagement. It's not easy, but it, there's not. Or when you do disengage, you go consciously, I'm going to walk out of the room now because that's I choose to do that. But it doesn't mean I've yeah, gone self-care. anywhere. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So thank you. That that really speaks yeah. to me. No, thank yeah. you. Thanks for having these conversations because it is so important. And yes. speaking of sober moms and recovery moms, and she recovers. So she recovers is... It is. It has become, and it it always still, I get goosebumps. When I say it or think about it, it's become an international movement of women in or seeking recovery from all the different types of life challenges. So how She Recovers came to be was completely by accident, Um, but, but not, right? Being able to look back on my recovery and my mom's recovery, we, it's very obvious how and why it has become what it is. So my mom, as I've mentioned, she's in recovery and I'm in recovery. And in ooh, 2011, my mom, you know, cause we kind of like to switch addiction to addiction to addiction. So she recovered from a substance use disorder. She got that. And then she got cancer and then she recovered from that. And then she decided to switch it to workaholism. So workaholism. And her workaholism behavior was absolutely insane. Her behavior, I had, I don't, I was so young, I don't remember ever seeing her loaded, but now I can imagine that I know what she was like because she was so burnt out and so distracted. She was, she would forget words in the middle of sentences. She was blacking out. She was having dizzy spells. She would hide under the covers with her laptop, hoping nobody would know that she was working. Like she was absolutely absolutely insane. She hit a wall with her workaholism and she was forced to take a leave of absence from work. 
And during that time, she decided to start blogging about how she was noticing how her workaholism was really similar to her substance use disorder. But back in 2011, people weren't really, they weren't really talking about it. So she was blogging anonymously. She started a blog called Recovering Dawn, but somehow within the interwebs, people were finding her blog and really resonating and writing to her and a little community was being created. But then she had to go back to work as one does. And now she has tried this whole work-life balance thing. And she realized that writing a blog every day, because she was blogging daily, and going back to work full-time was probably going to fuel her back into workaholism. So me being the the young, cool, hip one, I (laughs) knew about Facebook. She had a Facebook, but she didn't get Facebook. So I thought, well, why don't we create a Facebook page that you can still, you know, create the community and share your thoughts, but you don't have to write a blog every night. So at that time, she thought that was a great idea and she didn't want it to be about her though. So her blog was called Recovering Dawn, but she didn't want this to be about her at all. She wanted it to be about women in recovery. So that's when she thought of the name She Recovers to make it about everybody. So initially it was just a Facebook page. That's all it was posting daily. Um, This is when memes were becoming popular. So making pretty little pictures with pretty little quotes. And originally, to be honest, um, it was more of a place for women with substance use disorder and workaholism to to meet and to gather and and, and find inspiration online. Um, At the same time, I had been teaching yoga and I was studying my my studies and teaching on developing my own style of yoga, a trauma-informed approach to yoga for people, for women and men and women in recovery. Um, So then we had a brilliant idea after the Facebook page had been around for about a year and we had a few thousand followers. So we thought we were pretty cool. And we decided to do a yoga retreat because we thought what a great way for self-care for women, whatever they're in recovery from, to go meet in Mexico and hang out on a beach and do yoga. And then this is when um, we started to really think about our intentions and our guiding principles, which I'll talk about in a moment, because we had a lot of women reach out and say, well, I don't have a substance use disorder, but can I still come on your retreat? I'm recovering from grief or I'm recovering from codependency or an eating disorder or depression or anxiety, et cetera. And we realized um, that, yeah, absolutely. And everybody's welcome. So that's where our first intention and guiding principle was born, that we're all recovering from something. So at that first retreat, we had um, there about 20 of us, and we were all recovering from different things. But what we've noticed and what we know now, we all know now, right, is that some of us use substances to cope. Some of us, that's our coping mechanism. Not everyone, though. Really, what's underlying all the other stuff is usually the same stuff, right? Like we all have, we're all recovering from life. We're all recovering from being a human right now. And we're all doing, we're either using relationships or sex or shopping or booze to cope with it. But, but the actual underlying stuff is all the same. So that was really beautiful and really powerful. So what she recovers has organically um, evolved into is we create um, online and we when I say we I mean all of us including whoever's listening right now and Mandy and Kate and women from all over we're creating online in-person experiences for women to connect support and empower each other so online with online um, sharing circles or online with social media we have online programs We have online coaching, of course, in person with retreats and events and workshops and sharing circles. So just trying to find all sorts of ways for women who are wanting recovery from whatever to have access to the resources in the community. Mm. Because, you know, we we can't we can't do it alone alone, whatever we're recovering from. And the good news is we don't have have to do it alone right so um our intentions and guiding principles this is this is what has been a co-creation of all the women who we have had the honor and pleasure of crossing paths with over what is it oh my gosh it's going to be almost 10 years so we say we're all recovering from something Mm. we believe in early intervention we don't have to hit rock bottom to pursue recovery in any area of our lives 
There's 10 in total. So number three, recovery is a journey to wholeness. We take care of our body, pardon me, mind, body, and spirit. Collaboration, not competition, is the only way forward. We're stronger together. We have to be supported to find and follow individualized pathways and patchworks of recovery. We focus on our strengths, on our defects. This is how we change. We learn from and make peace with our past so we can live fully in the present. Connection is our sole purpose. We inspire and support women of all ages and backgrounds to find hope, health, and happiness in recovery. We understand that the practice of radical self-care is paramount to our well-being. And lastly, when we're ready, we recover out loud so that women who are struggling can find and join our movement. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I just, I'm like, yes, yes. And can I say yes? And a yes to the four and yes to the five and yes to the six. It's, and it's like, it's so interesting, isn't it? Like the, um, the online thing that uh, telling our stories has allowed people and we're you know and my experience has been women online to to do that it's like um it's like the oral oral tradition through sharing our stories we've been able to realize that we need to tell them to sit together to to breathe to or whatever it is that's working this holistic sort of patchwork you say don't you yeah yeah i love that it resonates strongly yeah yeah and I just like so you know my because I I just explained sort of my I mean I've talked about she recovers a lot on the podcast already (laughs) and the impact that it had on my kind of my recovery journey I suppose and I feel so blessed I mean it was such a random thing but when I set up my Instagram account um you know I'd I'd stopped drinking um for a, a year and then I that classic thing my mental health got better and I thought like oh you know I live in France so I can moderate that that old chestnut Mm. and then I sort of drank backwards and forwards for about three about three years and then when I you know made that decision and I knew that it's what I wanted and I knew it was better for me for my mental health and for my happiness you know I set up an Instagram account and I don't know how or why but um uh, a woman called Noelle who's from Texas she liked my posts and she put me in a group with about 12 women all American women all from all across America uh so there was Jen James and Diana um and who else Jill um and they sort of introduced me to what was going on I suppose in in the states so I heard about the unruffled podcast and and about she recovers and so I started researching and I was just like Oh my god, this is this is it. This is the thing. This is the mothership. This is, you know, this is this makes sense to me. And um, and then all those girls were talking about going to LA. So I was like, oh, I want to go to. It's like running around to my husband. Please let me go to LA. And and so we looked at the figures. It's just like I'm not sure that's possible, Mandy. You you know you haven't had a job for quite a while now. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, I so I wrote this very naive kind of email to Dawn going, hi, Dawn, I love your work. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll do anything, um, you know, if you need any help with anything. She was, you know, very kind, kind as she is, uh, response, just like, thank you very much. Um, you know, I think we've got it, but, you know, I'll keep, I'll keep you in mind. <laughs> and then the... Um, the scholarship came up and so and another American friend said so I put forward for the scholarship um and so I was kind of feeding back to Kate this whole time about it um and then I got a scholarship place and I I literally like ran around my house like screaming with excitement and and what was so interesting was because it was nothing to do with my problems with alcohol it was a calling to, to to other parts of my story you know about trauma about relationships about you know many many things and and that that concept that you know we're all recovering from something it just it was just like okay and my mental health you know it was just like okay this isn't you know I felt like I I I, you know quote unquote dealt with alcohol Mm. you know and that was as you say it was my coping strategy for the things that were underneath Mm -hmm. um 
and so you know and I just had the most amazing time I'm so sorry like literally I was so embarrassing every I was like every time I saw anyone I was just like (laughs) really hyper texting Kate all the time you know like oh my god we've got to read Tara Moore you know Mm. you've got to check out um Shane Booth like sort of just feeding all this sort of information in and yeah and 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 I made the decision then that I wanted to to be a She Recovers coach, um, which I am now. I've just finished. So so is Kate. So we are both yeah. designated coaches. So that's amazing. And we're going to be working to kind of build, mm. yeah, the sharing circles and and um, yeah. people's uh, knowledge and kind of, yeah, that the, the She Recovers movement in Europe, I suppose, which yes. is yes. so exciting. And we're so, so excited. Thank you so much. I mean, I, this all resonates very strongly with me because my path was, I was in some online communities, but it was still, we were still sort of stuck in, in some of that language around, I suppose, 12 steps and looking at what was wrong almost, I don't know, rather than, and I knew, and this is sort of like, I suppose, my recovery was... I was very, there was, there was not a meeting of my core values, which were very positive. It's about transformation. There was a holistic, it's a spirituality there that, that, that was way back, you know, from when I was a teen. And I started, you know, studying the science of happiness, of awe, of neuroscience. I started, I, an amazing yoga studio opened up near me and I started practicing yoga and it all converged, you know, and so when Mandy introduced me to She Recovers as well, and I started reading, I was like, yes, this is what I've been, this is what I've been saying, this is what I was like, it's fine to, you know, like, we can look at the full moon and feel really good, I got told off talking about the full moon on a sober forum once, because it wasn't on topic, right, I was like, what, (laughs) so it's like, it's like everything else, isn't it, but um, yeah, I, I really want to can I can I just steer the conversation towards yoga though now please because yeah. I am I, you know it is such a massive massive part of of my toolkit and and like my learnings about sort of neuroscience and just old wisdom you know it it all seems to be colliding like the hadron collider for me it, all of this so tell me about yeah yoga and why it's been so important in your recovery yeah absolutely so for me, um, so one of our intentions, like I shared, is recovery is a journey to wholeness. We take care of our mind, body, and spirit. And to tie in a bit of my story to help explain it for me is when I was 16 and hit my first bottom, um, I, what we knew back then was to get me into therapy and to 12-step programs. So that's what we did. And it was really helpful, obviously. It steered me back on track. Um, I, I still, to this day, I have two therapists and I love them both, um, but meetings weren't my thing. So I didn't stick with them. And then fast forward a few years later when I, so I've always been a dancer as well. So movement has always been a medicine for me. Mm-hmm. When I discovered yoga, it was that instant, this is it. This is the thing. And I was realizing that in the West, when anybody's on a journey of healing or transformation from anything, We've gotten really good at addressing the mind and even the spirit, but we had completely ignored addressing the body and our body holds our trauma and we had been neglecting it as well as the neuroscience stuff as well. Right. Kate, like you've talked about, which I love nerding. So right away, um, I, for me, I just, how I, how I felt and feel to this day, after practicing yoga, whether it's if I only have five minutes to do a few stretches or a full hour or longer, I completely have this tool available to me anytime, anywhere to shift anything in any given moment. It works every single time, guaranteed every single time it works for yeah, me. It's like magic. I'm just my body in some way, right? So it was really, really, really healing for me, especially also coming from a competitive dancer background where my body was something that I did not have a healthy relationship with or to. So yoga helped me to, first of all, connect with my body that I had completely disassociated myself from. I disassociated from my body because of trauma, because of PTSD. 
but also because I just really didn't like my body. I didn't, yeah, didn't like it. So with yoga, I was able to reconnect with my body, which really helped me reconnect with myself. When I decided that I wanted to be a yoga teacher, when I grew up, I knew that I needed to develop some type of recovery, some type of class that was specific. At the time, remember, I was focusing just on substance use disorder, but um, specifically for trauma survivors and, and recovery, since that was my experience and what yoga had helped me um, to heal. So, so important to help us release what Nikki Myers, if you know Nikki Myers, she's developed something called the yoga of 12-step recovery. She calls them the issues in our tissues. So everything that happens to us, we mm. store in our body. And if we don't do what we need to do to release it from our story, we can, from our body, pardon me, we can go to therapy and we can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and we will get lots of benefits. But until we have also released it from our bodies, we're going to see chronic fatigue or um, chronic injury, repetitive injury, disease, cancer, et cetera. It is going to affect the body in all sorts of different ways. And what we do know as well is that, you know, trauma, for example, affects our brain. Mm. So yoga, well, there's something called part of our brain that's affected. There's a lot of areas, but I'll quickly nerd out on this because yeah, Kate, you love that moment. So the brocus area of our brain, it has to do with our speech and it is very, very affected from trauma. And sometimes if we're experiencing trauma and trauma is different for all of us, right? There are all, there's a wide spectrum of trauma. What I consider traumatic, you might not and vice versa. But when something traumatic, like, I don't know, almost getting hit by a car for riding our bicycle or other traumas happens, it affects the brocus area of our brain. And that's the area of our brain associated with our speech. Sometimes we experience something and then we're told, oh, you should go to therapy. And we're going to therapy and we're being, first of all, asked to speak about the unspeakable or... We actually can't speak about it because we literally can't speak about it. The area of our brain to do with speech has been affected. Also, there's a part of our brain called the interoceptive system. And this is a bunch of different pathways. And when we experience trauma um, or even when we're using substance, and as well as I should say substances, these pathways get really muddy. And when they're muddy, two things are going to happen. Either we're going to start numbing. So we're going to physically numb. We won't be able to feel our body or we might start to numb emotionally or the opposite happens and we experience a lot of flooding. So we will be really, really sensitive to physical touch or we will feel like we're too sensitive. Maybe even people will tell us we're too sensitive or we're too much because we're flooding emotionally all the time. What we now know Thank goodness for neuroscience and the power of our brains that we can literally rewire them with neuroplasticity. We now know for a fact that by simply bringing our awareness to sensations in our body or bringing our awareness to maybe areas of the body where we can't feel sensation, that rewires our brain. That strengthens the interoceptive pathways in our brain. So that's why yoga is a really beautiful practice and why in a trauma-informed practice, like she recovers yoga, for example, you will notice a lot of verbal cues to simply feel your feet connected to the mat. Notice if you can feel your feet connected to the mat or notice if you can feel the sensation of your breath or if you can't feel the sensation of the breath. So lots of guidings mm. to get that part of our brain firing up and rewiring and re-strengthening. So that's... Um, I think I'm rounding. I'll keep going for hours. You know me. Well, I'll stop there. But those are some, just a few of the very, very tiny reasons why having uh, yoga in a recovery toolbox is really beautiful medicine. Mm. It's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And thank you because uh, that's, um, yeah, more than I knew about it. Mm. So it's, it, it's absolutely yeah, fascinating. it's more than I knew. I've, I've read some stuff, but I'd forgotten some. <laughs> and I remember about the interoceptive and isn't that and there's the um one of my favorite favorite things and we've talked about it before but i've done that thing where i kind of go oh and there's this really interesting fact but i've probably got it wrong but um you know the the, va the vagus nerve <laughs> the vagal yeah. nerve. oh like, yeah so much study about the vagus nerve right now 
I know, and and I, I just love it because it, I always think of Elvis as well. <laughs> like being in I don't know why, but it, it like makes me really happy and it's glittery and sparkly. I don't know. But um yeah, and I, I just love that. I know for a fact like um it, it's kind of insane, isn't it? Because talking therapies have become the go to for you know decades and decades and decades and like you said this it's just a tiny part of the picture mm-hmm. and and the whole working physically I mean I think everything's really moved on like in the last I don't know maybe even just 10 years in terms of awareness of somatics and and trauma I don't know whether it's just because we talk about it man and you've really yeah. Um, oh, you know, like it's now really on my radar. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, because I'm, I'm doing EMDR at the mm. moment. So I kind of when I've recovered because it is, you know, very hard work, but it's it's fascinating in terms of that neuroplasticity and, and you know, sort of the brain and, and the right and left side. And the exercises we always do at the end are always kind of to, you know, reconnect and recross the brain over. And, you know, we sort of push on the wall and there's a lot of physical things just for me to come back to present and Mm. it's it yeah and I can see that that's very much the same kind of linking as as a trauma-informed yoga so Mm. I know for me as well that I just think I know that when I don't do it I don't feel okay and when I do practice regularly then I feel okay and I feel balanced and there's so much about just simply, you know, we were talking about recovery as a word. We've been, we've kind of, we didn't like it and then we made friends with it and then we fell in love with it. And we were, we've been talking, talking, haven't we? Because we're both mm. in love with words, I guess. Um, and and there's something for me about the, the recovery thing if just like, you know, recovering our balance on a daily basis from the prevailing winds of whatever crap's kind of coming at us and I know that for me it's sobriety 100% uh, um, but but yoga definitely just helps me stay balanced and it's got to go there it's just got to be there in the toolkit hasn't it? <laughs> I mean it's like it just has to be absolutely um, for me my close family and friends they all if I I'm if I'm in a bitchy mood they have two questions for me. Have you eaten or have you done yoga today? And <laughs> always, when, if I've got those under my belt, I'm fine. But the days mm. when those aren't happening, it's, yeah, things aren't okay. <laughs> they really yeah. aren't. Yeah. yeah. So we, what, you said you did your um, your morning uh, ritual or what's what's in your self-care kind of toolkit? What, what are the things that you do uh, regularly to kind of, yeah, yeah. maintain that balance or... Yeah. So my, um, my, my main, my, my daily non-negotiables are definitely, and this has been an evolution over the years and it's constantly evolving and I'm constantly tweaking it. But for me, I, I have to wake up, I have to get up early in the morning and do my morning routine. Um, if I don't start my day with my morning routine, I just, I just feel off all day. So for me, I set my alarm for 5.55 AM, usually sometimes 4.00. 4 a.m. because I love repeating numbers <laughs> and the reason I like to get up at that time is I love this time of year it's so dark and it's so quiet where I live so I just I love the peace and quiet all to myself first thing in the morning and I first wake up and I do um I meditate, but I meditate in bed under my blankets, ladies. I'm not, the, I'm not that person. Maybe one day I will be, but I do. I'm not that person who gets out of bed and sits in silent meditation in the morning. Um, not, not yet. So what I do is I put my headphones in and, and I will go on to an insight timer or any other type of meditation app that you prefer. And first I listen to, um, affirmations. So a, an app that has positive affirmations. So just so I get that positive stuff going on first thing in the morning, because they say the first five minutes of our day, when we are waking up with the brain waves that we're at, our brain is super programmable. So I start mm-hmm. right away with the affirmations. That's usually about yeah, 10 minutes. And then after that, I switch to a style of meditation called binaural beats, B-I-N-A-U-R-A-L. And there's sound waves and frequencies um, that, again, work with our brain waves. So 
You can have binaural beats that you listen to before bed to help you with sleep, or you can listen to ones in the morning that will help with energy or focus and all that fun stuff. Then I listen to those for 11 minutes. And then I get out of bed and I do three minutes of spinal waves. So cat-cow curls Mm -hmm. for the yoga. Get my spine awake. And then I, so I still have my headphones in. And then I dance for one to three songs, depending on the day. The song is always different, whatever I'm feeling that day. But I dance around for sometimes five minutes, sometimes longer. And then after I've moved my body in that way, I sit down and I pull from my tarot deck to get my reading for the day. And then I drink water and I make my morning warm drink. So that's my morning. And oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going li- to life hack I'm that one. I'm going to get all down. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. Do do it. It. Binaural. Longer, as short as you want. Like you can really, you could do it in 15 minutes. Mm. Like mm. the times I'm giving shorten. Because what, 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 what my teacher said to me most recently was, it doesn't, like, for example, it's just about keeping promises to ourselves. Mm. So it does, let's say I told myself I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm going to meditate. It doesn't actually matter if we meditate for one minute or half an hour. All that matters is that we do it because mm. we told ourselves we were going to do it. Yeah. So yeah. that real that, that, I don't know, just hearing that really helped me simplify my morning routine. And it helped me be okay with being for someone who meditates in bed. <laughs> to start moving my body yet yeah. <laughs> yeah and then yeah I mean that's an, another part of she recovers that um that you're developing is she recovers dance right so that's something that's that right. really interests me because I think part of you know I was very into the rave scene when I was you know in the 90s uh lots of festivals and that was that's all I did mm-hmm. and, and I used to dance before I kind of that you know I never saw it as a hobby because it was you know obviously to electronic music at 5am but when I sort of grew up I didn't dance anymore and um and it's definitely something that's come back in I mean I I I dance regularly kind of a music can shift my mood incredibly like literally just been like no that's not it and I can switch a song normally disco if you know if all else fails disco Mm -hmm. will put me like back in a good mood and it's incredibly powerful so Mm. yeah what's what's, what's the plans with with uh she recovers dance so She Recovers Dance has been created by our amazing partner, Peyton Kennedy. She's also the director of our retreats and our events, one of our event producers. And right now, it's she's been offering it at our retreats. And it's mm. it's a dance, it's a guided dance experience. And it's so beautiful. She has the best playlists. So we've been doing them at the retreats. And then we will be doing it at our event in Miami. She will be offering it at our event in Miami in May. And eventually, the plan is... so. Just like, um, so I've developed a She Recovers yoga teacher training, and I now have She Recovers yoga teachers. The plan is to eventually also have She Recovers dance facilitators who will be um, just creating the space and holding the space for women to to move their bodies as well. Because we do recognize that, you know, Kate, you and I are very biased, and Mandy, you're starting to get into yoga, but not everybody (laughs) is into yoga. But we still we can we can incorporate the body in our holistic approach to recovery by dancing, for example. Yeah. Or some people do CrossFit, some people run. But we just really wanted to have an option for women if they're not into the yoga scene, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, something else that I want to mention quickly that is a huge part of my recovery toolkit are essential oils. Mm. I was going to say that to you. I've got it written yeah. down. Oils, yeah. <laughs> Essential oils. I just, um, I'm such, I love them so much. I just completed a a program to become a certified aromatherapist. And Mm -hmm. for me, discovering the use of essential oils has been just as profound as using yoga. Same thing in any given moment. I think, you know, there's those, that meme that's going around. It's so true though, that there's an oil for that in any given moment. I can grab an oil and I can smell it out of the bottle or I can roll it on my body and completely shift anything at any given moment so if you haven't tried essential oils totally Mm. check it out add it to your sober toolkit for sure yeah yeah what's your what's your absolute favorite oil (laughs) oh my gosh it changes every day but today and recently it's been rose rose Mm. oil 
I love rose. It's it's my I have rose tattoos. It's always been my favorite flower, and this, it's really really heart opening. It's it's a beautiful um, mm. heart opening oil if you're working with any heart stuff. Mm. Um, and it also they say so I kind of giggle about this. They say it's a really nice oil to support you if you're working with any kind of mother issues. <laughs> rose can be really supportive of that. So I think maybe because I work with my mother. And we spend a lot of time together. I'm always rolling rose, rose oil all over my body. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how, how, how is it working with your mother? <laughs> I mean, it, did you have to do some kind of, I mean, obviously, because, you know, she has her own recovery story. What, did you do some work together to kind of? Um, we how, yeah. yeah, great question. So we... Um, Again, us working together has been an evolution as well. And I can say that because we both have our own recoveries, that's the only way we can work together. Mm-hmm. We did, um, we did, we have, we, we joke, but it's true. We have this woman, she's, I mean, I guess some might call her a couples counselor, a couples therapist. So we go see her sometimes when we need to do some clearing. We haven't mm-hmm. seen her in a while, which shows progress, I think, but um, we did have her because we needed that, like someone who doesn't know us, this unbiased third party to just go talk some shit out mm. and to be able to learn how to communicate more effectively. And, you know, with that, although we would come go to those sessions to talk about work related things, when we would get to the bottom of it, it was totally shit from what I was using, for example, or from way back when that was the actual like, like root cause of why we were having some communication problems. So we work together. I can honestly, so happy to report to you. We work together beautifully. Now we Mm -hmm. are completely different in every way, but that is the, I think that's what works for us. That seems to be the magic for us. Mm -hmm. And because of our recovery and our toolkits and our amazing women who support us, such as you two, we are able to, to um, just put our shit aside and just focus on the mission and why we're doing what we're doing. We're This isn't about us. This is about helping as many women as possible um, find recovery and and live. And so, yeah, we just we just have to get out of our own way. And we we're really good at reminding ourselves when that needs to happen mm-hmm. or reminding each other. I think. What, um, what else is in your um, in the toolkit? Mm. So yoga, essential oils, dancing, tarot cards, early mornings, early nights. I used to be, I used to call myself a night owl. And um, that was not, a, that was not a good time for me to be up. Like if I'm not in bed by nine or 10, it's, um, that's when, you know, the mind starts getting a bit weird. Mm. So I love, part of my toolkit, I do consider going to bed early a part of it. Yeah. Um, I stopped drinking coffee a few years ago. So now a part of my toolkit are like, I love warm teas or warm. I love making a warm cup of cacao, like hot chocolate every morning. And I consider that a part of my toolkit because it just feels really nourishing. Um, Spending time with my niece is the best medicine ever. She reminds me of, you know, why, (laughs) why Mm. we do what we do. It's, you know, the next generation, they're looking at us, they're watching us, they're wondering what's going on here. So that's, she's a really big reason and reminder for me. Um, I met, like we talked about before, Kate, and I can't remember if it was recording or not, I'm sorry. Um, full moon, you talked about the full moon. Oh, yeah. and moon rituals, new moon, full moon, solstice is mm. on Saturday, and it's more yeah. exciting to Christmas. Like really honoring and being <laughs> in rhythm with the seasons. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Um, another layer of my recovery has been reclaiming, um, you know, that I'm a witch and recovering from witch wounds that have been in my lineage for, forever. So, that part of my toolkit is a lot of that type of stuff as well. Mm. Yeah, I wrote down when you were saying that you got up very early. You know, that's what mm. I always used to call the witching hour. Was that yeah. sort of? you know when everyone else is sleeping it's that kind of but it is it is an amazing time and I'm I'm I, I'm so thankful that I've reclaimed mornings I yeah. mean you know used to hide from mornings and hate mornings and want to be sleeping and it was all about the night and it's mm. yeah I mean the watching the sunrise is is 
so much more profound mm. and beautiful than the sunset I think I mean I like them both but I have yeah. to say as well Taryn um, we had Jolene who's a uh, She Recovers coach and an amazing yeah. activist in her own right and and she came and did a workshop with us and where I'm recording now on my kitchen table we sat here and we had a really good chat Mandy, Jolene and myself and she was obsessed with kinds of female archetypes um, from Europe. And I said, well, I'm obsessed with America. And when I was at uni in the 80s, my dissertation was on neo-paganism and feminism in North America. Amazing. <laughs> I know. We sat there. We were like, oh, this has just come full, full circle, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and we did we did tarot cards as we well. We did. We did our tarot, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, though. It just feels really female, you know, like, it, and fun and playing. It's like... You know, when you were kids and what, you know, whisper, you know, girls in their circles and playing with things, you know, and make believe and fantasy and intuition, you know, all of that. It's really good. Really great. Absolutely. Oh, that's so fun. I wish I was there. I know. (laughs) And we were like, we're like 50 and we were like... okay so we've mentioned a couple of times Miami um so do you want to sort of explain how Miami came about and you know the big I mean who's the key I know I could I mean I'm such a fan I could probably recite everyone but <laughs> I'll leave you to... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I'm ridiculous yeah, yeah. but um I'll hold it, it down. Both it goes both ways. We're super fans of yours, too, both <laughs> of you. <laughs> so my happy it's our big signature event. So we did our first one in New York in 2017. We did L.A. last year. And it is, um, we wanted to do, like, retreats, but on a really big scale, right? So it's more of a kind of like a conference style, I guess we could call it as well. Um, 500 women will be gathering and attending and we have a variety of different workshops and different talks and different events throughout the weekend. So in Miami this year, it's May 1st to 3rd at the Biltmore Hotel, which is totally iconic and beautiful. And it has the biggest, most beautiful swimming pool ever. And the way that it works out, um, we will pretty much be taking over the hotel because we are going to be taking up so many hotel rooms. So that's going to be really fun. Um, our keynote speakers are Abby Wambach, who we love. We had Glennon. Her wife was our keynote speaker in New York City a few years ago. Mm. And we also have, um, oh, my gosh, it's blanking. Mandy, you can help me now. Who else do we have? Uh, we have, <clears throat> Nikki Meyer. have the, yeah, Nikki Meyer, um, Laura McCowan. Yeah. Um, the, the priest. Nadia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, Nadia, I can't remember her last name, um, but she's amazing. She's a Lutheran priest, and she's she's in recovery. She's got a really cool story. And we're just finalizing um, our Sunday speaker at our foundation brunch as well. I should know this by now, but I don't. I'm sorry, ladies. But we're going to have the speakers, and we're going to have yoga, and we're going to have dance. The Saturday night, we're going to be having... Um, more of a musical concert happening so we have some great guests coming and we're also going to right now we're hosting a a, an artist search so the winner of the artist search will be um performing in miami for the first time which is going to be really fun jennifer thank you yeah Yeah, jennifer pastelloff and it's nadia bowles weber Mm -hmm. And uh, tell me a little bit about Jennifer Pasteloff. I'm not um, familiar with her. Jennifer is, she wrote a book called On Being Human. Mm. Um, she really, it's her memoir. And she just really talks, it's kind of like how, what we're talking about, how we're all in recovery from being human right now and what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. She's going to be really inspiring. Really can't wait. And then Esther um, Nicholson, who you might remember from LA, and Mela Ruda Devonport, and Valerie Mason John as well. Amazing. Those are the big ones, the big keynotes. 
Yeah, I'm so excited about Abby Wombach. I think she's those guys doing amazing, amazing things. Absolutely. They really are. Okay, so we should probably bring it to an end. We always finish the podcast with a, a tip of the day and uh, your reason to love sober. That's our little uh, you know, tagline. Yeah, <laughs> so I love it. Do you have a, a tip of the day for our listeners? My tip of the day, yeah, why, you know, because we already talked about it, is just to keep one promise to yourself today, uh, whatever that is. Um, just make one promise and keep it and then watch things just evolve from there. And I've got, I need to ask you just quickly before we look at your reason <laughs> to love sober. The the new year, we, um, you know, it's the end of a decade, beginning of a new decade. It's a new year. And I kind of, I'm a bit like, look, I love the energy. There's an energy to it, I think. But how do we maybe harness it and frame it whilst we are without losing the plot with all the pressure? And, yeah, and, 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 and compassionate yeah, way. In a, in, I mean, I feel quite terrified about the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, so, so how do we, you know, because we are sensitive souls, aren't we? And we put, put a lot of pressure on ourselves. So how can we, in a compassionate way, frame this with maybe your recovery tools, yoga tools, whatever? Yeah, I think that we could, uh, I invite you just to really celebrate wherever you are and everything that you have been working through and gone through to bring you where you are right now. And I think that we're all really hard on ourselves, but the fact that wherever you are, you are listening to this podcast right now, and that means that you are in alignment when you are, if your higher self has led you to listen to this podcast and you have to really honor that and recognize all that you are doing and all that you are. And I think that what we can do is just reflect on the last decade and take the parts of it that we're really proud of and that feel like are really in alignment with us and fuel that to really set intentions for the next decade or the next next year or the next month, however, however you want to really focus on it, but just knowing that all of the seeds have already been planted and anything that we do, any decision that we make, we, you know, there's either two directions we're going to go. We're either going to go forwards towards our intentions or backwards. And just by keeping one promise a day or one promise at a time, making one powered, empowered choice at a time after the next, like empowered choice, empowered choice, empowered choice. This will be the greatest decade ever. And <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> we, we get to choose right now yeah. if we are going to celebrate or if we're going to be terrified. And being terrified is normal. And I we never want to um, spiritually bypass that. So I really love that you mentioned that, Mandy, because it's so important that we recognize and allow all of our feelings and all of our emotions on the table, not trying yeah. to eliminate or pretend that some of them aren't there but just know that you are a badass like I said you're listening to this podcast you're badass you got it going on and um, just set the intentions and the intentions and make them big really honestly recovery is the greatest gift you're ever going to give yourself and it is going to make your wildest dreams come true I promise that that is the guarantee beyond your wildest dreams because mm -hmm life I'm living and I, I'm going to speak for everyone I know in recovery. I couldn't have even imagined this. It's nothing like what I imagined. It, and it's, I, yeah, I wouldn't have given myself enough credit for where I am now. So for this next decade, just, just think really big and, um, and just, I, I believe in you. And if you're ever having moments where you are forgetting what a badass you are, please just reach out to someone and they will remind you, you've got those people in your corner reach out to them oh that's beautiful and we i don't think we should do a tip of the day because that's like that's like the super, <laughs> your super reason tip. to love sober yeah oh we've done that yeah your reason to love sober reason to love sober because it's the best i'll leave it at that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you said it yeah <laughs> thank you so much taryn it's just been, yeah thank you it's been awesome thank you so much you. for having me and thanks for all that you both are doing for the recovery community oh. and she recovers bringing she recovers over to europe is such a dream come true and 
I can't, we just can't think of a better team to, to co-create this with. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you will. So um, if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, um, don't feel alone with it. Reach out. Uh, you can reach out to us at Love Sober. Um, you can reach out online to She Recovers. You can. There are various places, uh, Soberistas. You've got some club soda, alcohol free. There are lots and lots of online communities. If you're in the UK, alcohol change. Um, has agencies of local support gp um and and that would be it you know look after yourself this this new year go easy because yeah. we said it's a it's a high day again like christmas was so it can throw things into profile it can make us feel disorientated and wobbly so let's take it as the what is the next one day we'll check in with you next week and uh, lots of love we'll see you next week for more chat bye-bye bye